Hey bird fans, you're listening to the Bird Fans Forever podcast. I've been a bird fan since 1984. How about you? Go birds! Hello everyone, welcome to Bird Fans Forever podcast number 21. Reminder to everyone if you haven't already done so to follow us on Twitter at Bird Fans Forever. And our central point of information is our website www.birdfansforever.com. On the website, you can find a tab with links to our podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, and others, as well as a tab to access our videos on YouTube, where we're also called Bird Fans Forever. So subscribe and follow us on Twitter and YouTube, and you can be up to date with everything going on from us. Our guest for today is RB4L Greg Dillegard, who is a player for our Illinois State Redbirds from 2003 to 2007. We'll be right back with Dilly. Hello, and this is episode 21 of Bird Fans Forever, and we're here with Greg Dillegard, my boy Dilly. He played from 2003 to 2008. He's a four-year starter. I'm going to start reading from my list because this boy has got some serious-ass numbers, and sorry for the swearing, but i got to say it. Number three for a season was 64, 64.6% from the floor. That for a season was 14th in the NCAA that year. For a career, he shot 59.9%. That makes him number two all-time at ISU. Way to go, big boy. His freshman year, he he should be in the top two, but he didn't quite get enough shots, and he missed it by three or four. He shot 67.9% from the floor. Um, I dig at him. He never missed a three-pointer. Uh, in 2005, 2006, he led the Redbirds in scoring from the floor with 9.9. Um, MVC, December 2005, he was Player of the Week. Uh, he was voted most improved by his teammates in 2006. He's seven double doubles, and you got to love the dig at never missing a three because he never took a three. My boy, <laughs> my boy Greg Dillegard, how you doing, big boy? Doing good, doing good. Thanks for coming and- on the show. That three-point thing has changed a lot now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're at the tail end of Biggs not really shooting a lot of threes yet. Um, you know, it starts to change four or five years after you. But let's get on to what we normally talk about. Right, we always start with how'd you get the ISU. So, so talk to me, big boy. Well, I was recruited by Richardson and uh, – him and Altadonna actually got me to sign there. They recruited me and then uh, Michael Sams, who we played on the same AAU team together, which was one of the reasons I liked ISU the most because going there with another teammate would have made it feel more comfortable. But then uh, then they ended up firing Richardson and hiring Porter, which made me a little leery because I'm like, he coming from Arkansas and uh, just didn't know if it'd be a fit for me or whatever. So right. he ended up coming up to my high school. I did a workout, and we ended up hitting it off. I decided to still stay at ISU. Of course, after the whole coaching change, all these other schools started hitting me up, talking about, hey, you've got a chance to switch out, to get out of your resignation and all this stuff. And I still, ISU was still the best fit for me. Okay. So I ended up going there. And uh, I still remember my first I went there the summer right after I graduated, and I started summer school the next month after high school graduation. I wanted to go work out, get some more weight on me, get some muscle to me. I remember getting there and uh, meeting Ronnie. First person I met from the team, like 
the same year coming in with me. And uh, I knew that Coach Moser had recruited him when he was at Arkansas. But he decided to go to ISU, and then he ended up getting there. So I'm thinking, well, there goes my chance at any playing time. I got to compete with Ronnie, seven foot. He was already recruited by Moser. That's just more for me to have to deal with. So I remember getting there, and I remember it was one of our first just – one of our individual workouts, we were doing some stuff. And then after that, Ronnie came up to me and he's like, hey, let's play one-on-one. All right, Ronnie, fine. But we're going to play full court. Excuse me? Like, why? <laughs> that makes no sense. But anyways, so we're playing. This was a game to like five. So we played this game. And after that game, I was like, you know what? I'm not worried about it anymore. He plays ball just like I do. And that was because you say it was a – Big deal. I got along with Coach Moser, great. Got along with all the assistants, Coach Baroni, Coach Rob. And like I said, once I got there, I I knew exactly why I didn't go anywhere else. You're saying the fans were great there. Everybody I met there was amazing. You're saying it's just it was the perfect fit for me to go there. That was awesome. And Ronnie was on. We had Ronnie on in episode seven. And if you listen to the end of it, he just glowingly talks to you about you as his teammate, right? And so, um, again, I try to tell young people, right, I I have the same thing with big Gerard, big Sonny, big Scott, right? We all battled in practice, but, you know, we were boys together in the post and, and just like you and Ronnie, right? Um, so it's great that you have that relationship and, and that is a, a blessing. So, all right. So got the ISU and you were telling us off air and I was dying laughing your first game against Florida A&M at Redbird Arena. Yes. Yes. The most nervous I think I've ever been in my life. Just say so I remember coming out to the game, starting a game warmups, sweating bullets. I almost soaked through my shooting shirt, just getting ready for this game, thinking maybe I'll get some playing time. Remember Coach Moser coming over to me, telling me, hey, just calming me down, getting me ready, and then tells me, you're starting this game. Wasn't prepared for that at all. <laughs> Not in the slightest bit. So once again, after calming me down, he shoots my nerves right back to the roof, and I'm super nervous again. Sweating bullets again. Finally got dried off, and now I'm back to being soaked and just trying to calm myself down. So my dad and him came down. He talked to me, got me in the right mindset for the game, and we ended up winning that game. It was a, definitely a great way to start out my first season yeah, at, yeah. at Redbird. They say just Starting off my career with a win, especially the first start of being a freshman, it worked out well for me. Definitely worked out well for me. That yeah, is awesome. John mentioned it, but it, I mean, it's a pretty remarkable feat. You'll come in, start as a freshman. You were a four-year starter. You started 110 out of 118 games. There's, there's not too many people in, in any era can, that, that can say that. So, I, I mean, that, that's a great feat. Thank great you. Feat. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Great thing. So, wow, so you start 110 out of 118 games. Um, now, we were also off air, and you kind of went into the whole Bradley bash, right? So you're still a freshman, <laughs> right? All of us have got to learn that there are games, and then there's the Bradley game, right? This yes. becomes a whole other level of we've got to beat them, period, end of story. So talk oh, yeah. about it, big boy. Oh, yeah. Just like I said, being a freshman, you come into these games, and you hear about all these rivalries, and it 
doesn't make sense to you. Remember walking around campus, seeing all the people with the Buck Fradley shirts, and I'm looking at him like, what is going on? And I guess we get to the we get to Horton, and they've got the car there with Bradley on it, and they're tearing his car apart. And like I said, before the game, some of the people had messaged me talking trash about how they're going to beat us simply because, like I said, they recruited me and I chose not to go there, so that had already left a sore spot with them. And it's just at that game. And they gave me the assignment of guarding Marcellus Somerville, their number one scorer. And I had, had to deal with him for the whole game when I was in. Every time I was in, that was my assignment, doing my best to stop him. And said, now we're on the floor. Of course, being a freshman, going against him, he's talking trash to me, telling me how I'm not going to be able to do this, not going to be able to do that. He's going to score whenever he wants. So, I mean, as a freshman, I, this was later on in the season, of course, we're starting conference and stuff like that. I'm playing against them. So I've built up a little bit of confidence, but again, I'm still a freshman. <laughs> so now he's got me fired up. The game's a lot more important to me now because I got this dude talking trash to me and I've never backed down from a challenge. So of course, being able to lock him up several times during that game and keep him from scoring gave me the ego boost to think, okay, I'm not a freshman anymore. I'm on the same level as you. We can battle this every year until you graduate, and then I'm going to take over then, too. So it definitely fired me up for sure. And then after that year, every Bradley game was the most important game to win for the rest of my career. <laughs> Amen, right? I mean, I mean, I know the fans get it, but we as players, it is just electric, right? And so, and to play in the Civic Center when it's that loud, and then if you can take it to them and shut the Civic Center up, that just feeds you even more, right? And so, oh, yeah. Right, oh, yeah. man? You know what I'm talking about. All oh, right. yeah, definitely. That was a very good game. It was a great game for ISU, of course. U of I hated it because they almost lost to us and it would have been a huge upset for them. And I said, we played very well that game. I thought for sure we were going to win it in regulation, but some mistakes led to some unfortunate events. We ended up losing in overtime. I said, but like I said, the most thing that I remember and left the sourness in my mouth is the fact that they would never play us again. I said, the fact that we were had it scheduled to play them at their place and at our place and they backed out has that in my mouth since that year until this day i absolutely hate u of i i don't want to go to their campus i don't want to watch them play i don't want to have anything to do with them i have several friends that love u of i and every time they mention it we get into an argument i can't stand them <laughs> and so it's just the fact that they were too scared to play us again is something that will always stick in my head and i will always hate u of i for it amen brother Oh, yeah, I knew they were just from talking to people. The fact that Illinois State's playing, finally playing Illinois, it's, I mean, the state school versus the university school is always a big rivalry. So that made it a bigger game. But I said, now, like, it wasn't that big of a rivalry for me being from Missouri. But after that game, till this day, it would be a rivalry for me to go play against them now. I wouldn't. Yeah, I would love the chance to go play against them now. I don't care how old I get. If I got the chance, I would play against them, and I would do everything I could to make sure they lost. That is one game. If they ever do come to ISU, I don't care where I'm at, I will make it to that game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that game was – I think we were favored to lose by, like, 15 points that game, at least. Yeah, it was – 
a huge margin. So, of course, going into a game like that, you have nothing to lose. You're already fired up. It's just you just give it your all. So we're going into this game thinking, okay, they think we're going to lose. We have nothing to lose, so we're just going to go in there and play our hearts out and get this win. So going into that last play, seeing Dana hit that three, like I said, it took – I I promise you we watched that ball for five minutes go from half court <laughs> to the basket. It floated through the air forever. I, I probably had time to go get something to eat, come back, and sit there and watch the ball go. But, uh, but yeah, it, uh, we see him heave it up from half court. We're sitting there watching, watching, watching. It took forever. Finally goes in. And like everybody erupted, the fans, the players, except for Creighton, they didn't. They all sat down. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but you could see the excitement in Dana's face radiated through all the players. Everybody left the bench. The fans were trying to get to the court, and like he's just standing there, jumping up and down, swinging his arm. I think he almost punched somebody. It was just nuts. Tried to get him off the floor. We had to, we had, I mean, games ended. We're supposed to be going to the locker room. Coach and them are already gone. We're tr- they're trying to get us back there. I remember Munn trying to get us off the floor. Flash trying to get us back off the floor. And we get back to the locker room. Coach wants to go over the game, and we're still in there screaming, celebrating, yelling, just having a great time. And said so it's just that's one of those games where it just for, further cements that bond that you have with each other. Like to get that excited for somebody else is a great feeling. Said yes, everybody wants to be the one to hit that shot, but if you can get just as excited for the other person as if you did it yourself, I mean it's a great feeling. Said that's just how close we were. It didn't matter who did it as long as we got the win and it was for the whole team, so we could all celebrate together. Yeah, you know, that's another huge game. That was one of Trey's best games against Creighton that I'd seen. He had a phenomenal game, shot the ball great as. He did majority of the time. I said it's just another huge game, especially like I said, going into sophomore year now, getting all these overtime games under my belt, which I don't like because it's just more nerve wracking. <laughs> but I said just to to pull that win off again against Creighton, who was one of the powerhouse teams of the Missouri Valley, you say it's just a huge ego boost for us and a huge momentum driver. Just gives us so much. And then like I said for me. It was another big game because they said with Anthony Tolliver there being a friend, and he said we'd played against each other a couple times. We weren't that close at the time. But I said after that game, we had a little bit of time after the game before we left. I said me and him and my parents all sat down and talked about a bunch of different stuff. We talked about, like I said, his issues that he was going through there at Creighton, being said as a sophomore, he's still working out some stuff. And I'm at ISU working out some stuff and getting things through our head, adapting to new things and all that stuff and just getting to sit down and talk with somebody else about the stuff that they're going through and everything being different for him. And like I said, his family didn't always make it to games and stuff. And my parents were always there. And they said they got known as the parents that were at every game. They took everybody under their wing. Every player knew them. They said to get to sit down and talk with him and we have my parents there. And they said, we still talk to this day. And we it That's brought awesome. us a lot closer so he said, just being able to make that connection with somebody else, even on another team, which I enjoyed beating, but just to have that friendship <laughs> was a great feeling to have. Oh, yeah, my parents were definitely a blessing. In all four years, they missed three games. 
and that's away and home games. And they missed those my freshman year for uh, they were all for funerals, and that was the only games they missed. And they they made it down to Florida State when we played them. They were up at Marquette for the tournament. They were up for every game. Even with my brother, he went down to Furman University, so he was 15 hours away, and they only missed eight of his games in his four years. Wow. And three of those were in Puerto Rico they didn't go to. But, yeah, they supported us in everything we did. It was very rare for them not to make a game. That is awesome. Great support for you, right? And that is awesome to have. And, and players don't – and, Steve, you said that, right? My parents made every home game and within pretty much all the, you know, Indiana states, anything within four or five hours, they were always there, Southern, blah, blah, blah couple of the longer ones they didn't make but they're not quite as good as the Dillgard family but they were there a lot and it was good to know right and I tell this story and NCAA tournament getting ready to run out on the court look up I'm the last guy in line look up my dad's leaning over the rail and yells to me hey number 53 you're a hell of a better basketball player than you ever were a swimmer because he wanted me to be a swimmer and so I quit swimming in eighth grade, and I was, uh, you know, I was working on a state championship, getting ready as a freshman in high school, and quit to play basketball. and And he swam at Southern, and so and he went to Salukis, right? And oh. So, but yeah. <laughs> so, but you know, for him, that was the first time he'd ever said that to me. But you know how it is, right? Just that little bit of comment, just all right, you know, because so. Yeah, definitely yeah. does. I remember uh, my dad actually got kicked out of a Wichita State game for almost getting in a fight with one of their third craziest fan. Yeah, so <laughs> he oh. just, they had that one fan that every year was always heckling people and causing problems, was always drunk, and him right. and my dad almost got into a fight, and they both got thrown out. So <laughs> it was definitely interesting. I found out about that later, but, yeah, it was definitely interesting. Yeah, yeah. My mom was a bigger fighter than my dad. She was right in there, too. She didn't get thrown out. But, yeah, she, when it comes to her kids and stuff, yeah, she she's the quicker one to get into a fight than my dad was. Uh, we had two of my teammates on, Scott Fowler and Gerard Coleman, and they told stories about how they left recruits in the Watterson, uh, Watterson Tower lobby drunk overnight, let them sleep on the hard things. So uh, talking with... Big Dilly, um, he's got a recruiting story. So let's hear your recruiting story, big man. All right. So this was when we had Slack and Boo coming. I say, Coach Rob came up to me. He's like, hey, we've got two recruits coming in. You're going to host them, which hosting was great. I mean, when you hosted, you got to take them out to the dinner, so they gave you the money for it, and you did all that stuff. You ended up making money because they give you money to go do this, and then you just – have a party or do something at the house. Don't have to worry about taking them out or anything like that. But uh, right, right. he told me, like, he came up to me. He's like, hey, you're going to host. He's like, is there anything going on this weekend? No, coach, we ain't got nothing going on this weekend. Just open gym, playing ball, whatever. Are you sure they ain't got nothing going on this weekend? I get the hint, coach. We'll get something going for it. <laughs> so we set up a party, and me and my sister set this thing up. We got – this is uh, actually – we had just moved out to the Oaks. So we're having our Ooh, party okay. out there. Yeah. And uh Slack and them come up there. I'm take we went out to eat or whatever. So I ground them after we get done with dinner. We head back to the apartment. We're just hanging out, getting stuff together. And we have our party for that night, which went to around two or three in the morning, whatever. 
And then we just hung out with the players after that. So, of course, next morning, it's time for them to go to breakfast with the coaches. Said they're in no condition to go to any kind of thing. And I think Slack, before we took him home, well, took him back to his hotel, he'd actually passed out on top of my sister's car. And then, boo, we had to find him. He was in the apartment and passed out. So we got him there. And they get to the breakfast, and they're they're just laying there. The booze laying on the table, slacks laying on the table. They got their heads down, not making any conversation, just sitting there. Coaches asking questions, they're still not answering. Said booze laying there with throw up on his hat, just not functioning. All, they say coach and them are trying to talk to him. They're asking him questions, and the only thing they can say is, "Yep, we're coming here." That's the only thing they said the whole breakfast. <laughs> I know we showed up, Coach never looking at me like, what did you do to them? And hey, I just did what you told me to do. They had a good time. They're coming. That's all I know. <laughs> so we figured out that's why Fowler and Coleman got in trouble. Their two guys didn't show up or didn't sign with ISU. Big Dilly got Anthony Slack and Boo Richardson to sign with ISU. I mean, you can't get any better than that, right? So nice <laughs> job, big boy. Thank so you, you get you. you get Big Slack to come to ISU. And then you were telling us a Big Slack story, right? And <laughs> yeah. Big Anthony Slack, I love to tease the big boy. Um, but... Yeah, this is this tops. Uh, this might top my Iowa story or my Colorado story of what I did to the Colorado and what Butterly confirmed in his episode. So let's hear the Slack story. So this was my senior year. Slack's junior year. They just came in. He came in. Dima just got there too. I don't even remember which game it was or who we were playing that game. It just this just sticks into my head. So we're <laughs> we're playing. It's going through the first half game's going fine we were actually winning the game i'm pretty sure because i remember talking with him he's super hyped up and then we get to the locker room and he tells me he's like dilly it's like what it's like man i thought i had to fart but it wasn't a fart i was like what do you mean he's like i just sharted on myself i was like, like you gotta be kidding me he's like no and so he turns around and you can see this thing coming through his shorts so he's like i don't know what to do and of course I don't know what to tell you. We got to get back out here for warm-ups. We're all the way back out to the court. So he comes out, and he's wearing his shorts, and there's no stain on them. So I put on like, slack. Like, what'd you end up doing? He's like, yeah, I, uh, I made Dima switch me shorts. So you got this man switching me shorts, sitting in your shorts. So, yeah, he switched Dima's shorts. Dima had to spend the rest of the game sitting on the bench in slack shorts that he had just sharded in. It's like, how can you do that to this kid? Like, he's new here. You know, took advantage of him, tricked him into wearing your shorts, and you just made this dude wear these the rest of the game. Like, that is so wrong. <laughs> And he stayed off four years. He didn't transfer after that. I know. <laughs> I, I know, know. right? Wow. wow. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. So a freshman hazing. <laughs> oh, that is just, uh, that is that is as bad as my Colorado story. Confirmed in the Dan Butterly episode. But so we were also talking off air, you're a doppelganger, right? There's, there's players you run into. Mine was Dallas Comedies out of DePaul that, that you just you don't get along with, right? Now you're opposing players. You're not supposed to be really buddy buddy with them, anyways. So, 
Who's your do- who's who's the guy that you just you just couldn't deal with, or you, you, not you couldn't beat him? You just wanted to crush him all the time. Another one for me was Luke Jackson. So, <laughs> yeah, mine was Grant Stout at Northern Iowa, the one dude I couldn't stand. Like, I didn't have any problem. Like, it wasn't that he was better than me because that's not the case at all. It wasn't that I couldn't. <laughs> none of that mattered. It was just his attitude and how he thought so highly of himself and he was so cocky it's just every year he rubbed me the wrong way and it just amen brother came my senior year he got super cocky and started talking trash i don't know where he got that confidence from thinking he could talk trash to me but he definitely started and he just kept jawing and kept jawing so eventually i just let him know i was like dude the only reason you even got to northern iowa is simply because i turned down the scholarship that's the only reason that got you there (laughs) said you would not even be playing D1 ball in Northern Iowa right now if I hadn't turned that down. Said he didn't say anything else the rest of the game. It's just that, like I said, I have on the court, it's a battle. Off the court, I could be friends with anybody except for him. We did not get along at all. It it, it extended off the court. We didn't talk. But like I said, we played against people. They said I had friends on other teams. When we stepped on the court, it was a battle. When we stepped off the court, we were friends again. It's just that's how it is with basketball. Even that's how it is in practice. You may get in a fight with somebody Amen. and then Amen. get up, shake it off, shake hands, and go back to practice. But once you step off the court, it didn't matter. What happened on the court stayed on the court. What happened off the court was a totally different situation. But, yeah, that dude, no. It didn't matter on the court, off the court. I, I didn't like him. Yeah, yeah. When you told me that off air, I was like, oh, we got to talk about that. That is just <laughs> classic, right? You always get that. So, And like you said, in practice, we were horrible to each other, right? Uh, you know, we you're fighting to get a starting position. Or in your case, I was fighting to get one. You were fighting to keep yours, right? And so yeah. you're pushing each other, right? And, and But it's the brotherhood, right? I, we heard Ronnie talk highly of you. And we've heard you and Off Air talk highly of Ronnie, right? And so that would have been your big post rival, but really your brother yeah. in the post for three years right and so oh yeah ronnie and i battled we came in together we started all four years battling against each other yeah. it was just a huge rivalry but it pushed us to get better and i said it helped I'm, us get closer agreed. too yeah and, and then slack when he transferred in he's the same way right he became part of that centerpiece plus you know all the rest of the guys like trey and all those so mm-hmm. we gotta ask you a couple questions so <laughs> I can't let you go without asking this question. So, you you averaged like nine point four, nine point nine points your your last two seasons. And so, after some really strong in depth analysis, I figured out how you could you could have got to ten points, double figures. How's that? Let's let's talk about your free throw shoot. I knew that was coming. <laughs> I, I, I got I got confused. I thought it was the three point percentages I was looking at, but it was actually your free throw percentages on here. <laughs> What 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 happened? Did, did they work with you at shooting different things or what? Because well, dude, see, when I came in, have... I shot a lot better than what it went towards the end of the year because they started tweaking stuff and changed up my shot and it just threw everything off. They said it just completely changed my whole free throw form. Is that what has yeah. so they just mess with you so much that that's it, game over, right? Yeah, yeah it threw everything off because even through high school, I actually went to free throw shooting contests one plenty of competitions with that got there my freshman year wasn't that bad and my then it just 
they wanted to work on your shooting form and it changed a bunch of stuff. And after yep. shooting so long, if you, you know how it is, you get your shooting form, you're going into college, you've been shooting this way for 15, 16, 17 years, and now you're changing it and it just completely throws everything off. It, yep. yeah, it completely messed me up. Yeah. And that happens, right? I mean, one of the things, especially in our era, right? Bigs weren't, you know, they didn't really have us practicing those shots as much. Um, we shot free throws, but, you know, so. Now you see it happen, like, you know, as fans and stuff like that, you know, one guy comes in one form, then it's another way, and it's another way, it's and then another it's way, just like, way. you just tell it's like, it's in the guy's head now. There's no way yeah. he's going to yep. come out of it. Yep. Yeah, completely throws you off. It it changes everything for you. And the thing is, the crazy thing about it is, they'll change your free throw form, but leave your regular shot form and won't tweak it at all. So then the right. next thing you know is you can shoot fine, but then if the free throw line is completely different. Everything's off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they didn't mess with my shot at all. Um and any time they did my free throw, I just kept shooting my way. I wasn't going to change. <laughs> no, we yeah. talked about this, John. What they did with you, though, was, I mean, you were a post guy, right? High school. And then they started moving you around. I all took the ball positions. out of bounds, right? I played the three. I played the four. I played the five. You know, I broke press. You know, I, I, I did those kind of things. I handled the ball out on, you know, think about this they'd throw the ball back to me and I'd bring the ball up against the press, right? <laughs> and, you know, you played 18 years after I played, right? So, I mean, I was way out ahead of my time handling the mm -hmm. rock. So, um, it was, I wouldn't trade it for anything. You know how it is, right? It, they used me oh, the yeah. way they thought was best and, and I love it and I love my, my end. So, all right, so now, we had Ronnie on in episode seven, and he loved talking about how close you guys are. And again, you guys are as close as my team is. I love seeing you guys at the alumni game talking trash and getting a chance to hang around and listen to you guys tell your stories. Um, and that's really where this podcast came from, is hearing all the guys. And so, man, here's your chance, right? Talk about your boys. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, even from day one starting out as a freshman is just a special connection you have with your teammates you you've never even met them until you got recruited and yet it's a brotherhood you come in as brothers and it starts that way from the moment you get there to the moment you leave and it's just it's a great feeling to have somebody who's always got your back no matter what so i came in with ronnie it was my freshman year was me ronnie and michael sams then and uh that's when Chris Burris and Dana Ford were sophomores with Marcus Arnold. We had Trey Guidry and Vince, Neil Plank, Kevin Trock. I'd actually come in. We even had the upperclassmen that were there before that had left, like BG and all of them were still there. And, I mean, even, they like said, the alumni, it's all a brotherhood. It continues to stay that way. He said, Ronnie and I were roommates for three of our four years there. He said, we roomed together in Watterson, freshman and sophomore year. When we moved out of water, so we went to the Lincoln townhomes. We were roommates there. And then once we moved to the Oaks, we each wanted a master bedroom. So we split apart and he went to the other apartment. <laughs> but uh, I said, that's when we brought in even, he said, I recruited 
I was the host for Dom when he came there. I was the host for Slack and Boo. Said it, it's just everybody when they come in, like me, me and Dom and Slack and all, and we still talk to this day. Said I still we get back, to, we get together, try to go to ISU whenever we can. They say when Slack comes back in town, we'll head over there. CB's comes back up there. Vince came up last time we were up there. So we still meet with Ronnie and still talk with him. So it's just a matter of no matter how long you go without talking to each other, without seeing each other, you pick up where you just left off. Said it's that way every time. He said, I haven't talked to Trey probably in a year or two now, but I guarantee like the moment we like message each other or get a hold of each other, it's like time has stood still. Nothing has changed. We're still just as close as we were. Same way with Greg Alexander, Andy Strandmark. It was all of us are that same way. Even like the guys that were there after I was there, Emmanuel Holloway, he was there after me, but I still talk to him to this day. It's like it's not a matter of the ones you played with. It's just a matter of the ones that played under you, before you. It's a bond that you have, regardless of whether you've met them or not you still have that bond of being a Redbird and it's a family and it's a family that's going to continue to grow and we're always going to be a family no matter what happens and it's just a great feeling to have. It is. I, I got a chance to really sit down and talk to you in 2016 when we started having alumni games again and it again just uh, awesome to see how you guys just interacted and uh, I got a couple good pictures of the you guys, it was you and Vince and and Ronnie and Anthony Slack all standing there together. It's just a tremendous picture. And so, um, yeah, it, it is a, you know, like I tell people, one of the reasons we started the podcast is to, I've heard all these great stories, right? Getting to sit around after we're done playing and everybody's sweaty and stinky and, and the stories, right? And you're just rolling. Even though I wasn't there for the stories, having walked, you know, the old adage of, I tell people, you know, the old adage of if you walk a mile in somebody's shoes, you get to really feel what it's like to be them. Well, I've walked hundreds of miles in your shoes, just as you've walked hundreds of miles in my shoes, right? And, and we, you know, you've been there for the hard loss, the great victory, the, you know, the, you know, like you said with Dana, being so proud of Dana when he hits the three-pointer, right? I, I got a chance to set a screen for Matt Tapper and he hit a three to beat Iowa, right? I'll never forget that. So, <clears throat> All right, so, brother, man, the brotherhood is alive and well at Redburner. So what have you been doing since you graduated, right? What is, what's, your, what's your life been like? Oh, it's been full of a lot of excitement. As I graduated in uh, December of 07. I uh, graduated on the 16th on a Saturday, and on Sunday I flew over to Sweden to start playing ball. So the day after like graduation, that? I actually left. It was it was great. I loved every bit of it. I started with my, with my uh, agent that summer and did some working out with him, and I had an extra semester of school to finish, so I told him I was going to finish school, and he ended up getting a contract for me over in Sweden, and I signed, and they flew me over the day after graduation. Oh, that is and awesome. I said after that, it was just a great experience. After there, I went to Uruguay. And then I went to Argentina. I've been to Australia, Brazil, Venezuela. So I've hit 13 different countries wow. playing ball. Loved every bit of it. It was just say, getting to travel and see the world was a great experience. You say, especially getting paid to do it and not having to pay for it has made it even better. 
that I've seen so many different cultures, experienced so much other stuff that normally I wouldn't have gotten to without basketball. It's just great to have that experience in my life and to learn from all of that stuff. And I did it up until seven years ago after I had my son. And I ended up staying here and just wasn't worth leaving him. So I just stuck around here, been doing a bunch of different stuff. I've worked, I've coached. My brother and I started our own basketball academy. We do a bunch of camps and stuff and work with kids. That is awesome. And, uh, you know, we still have, I do a lot of individual training. We try to get our camps. It's been a little slower the last few years because of COVID. But, yeah, we do camps around here. We go out to Kansas and do camps. And it's just getting that chance to share our love of basketball with everybody else. It's another bonding moment, especially when we tie it into our religious beliefs as well. So it helps with that as well. As you say, I've, uh, I actually, after coaching, I got into working at a juvenile detention center. Did that for two years, which was another eye-opener, working with some of those kids and getting to be a mentor right, for right. them. And I actually opened up a restaurant for a little while, and I did that. And it just, there was some shady stuff going on with the people I was running that ran the building. So I ended up getting out of that. I'm getting into, I'm actually working on getting my food truck up now because it's one of my passions is cooking as well. Very I do cool. all that awesome. stuff, fix a lot of yeah. different stuff, and do a lot of different cooking. It's, you say it's, and it, the name fits well because it went off of my college nickname, went by the name of Dilly's Fixins. So we get that, <laughs> time, get that going. <laughs> Works well. But yeah, we do a lot of different cooking. So I just got engaged. My fiance helps me with all of that stuff. She's been, one of my biggest supporters for a, a while now helps me with everything. It's definitely, definitely been a blessing in my life. And now so where I'm just, can we find Dilly's fixings? Uh, actually, yeah, uh, we ribs, fried chicken, mac and cheese, oh, burgers, tenderloins, dang. all that stuff. And it actually, uh, when I had it open, it was best ribs in town. I said we went through at least at least two hundred racks of ribs in a month. It was just, wow. we moved a lot of them. And so now I'm just working on getting the food truck up and going. And once I do get it going, best believe I will be up at ISU. So I will let everybody <laughs> up there know that it's coming. But yeah, now I'm actually. Dude, you're going to have to, when it's up and running, you need, my wife and I love food trucks. We will be there, right? So awesome, I'll be awesome. there for I'll, your. Hopefully I can get it up and going by the time we have the alumni game and I can bring it up. Oh, that would be sweet, but remember, two hundred racks of ribs might not be enough for me, big boy. Right? So, <laughs> yeah, we'll figure out something. We'll get it for you. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely been a very busy life. And it's been a blessing, though. It's worked out well. You say I've got a bunch of nieces and nephews now. And my brother's been moving all over. His son, I'm looking forward to watching him play ball. He just turned 10, and he's been practicing with the varsity team. So it's – Holy cow. Yeah, he's going to be really good to watch. I'm waiting on my son to get started. He's just turned seven. He's already about four foot five, so he's going to be a big boy. (laughs) I wonder where the DNA – he got that DNA from, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely going to – I'm looking forward to it. Trying to get my brother to come either this way or let's go down there so we can get them all together. And get it because he's got two boys, and then it's just that it could be a definitely a powerhouse team if we got them together. Absolutely, right. absolutely. Well, awesome. All right, big man. At this point, we wrap it up. Anything you want to do for closing? Oh, I just want to 
tell everybody it's been a blessing being a Redbird. It's, that's where I got an extended family. As you say, I've always had my parents there to support me, but the support that I got from ISU was equally great. As say, it's been something that's stuck with me since then, and I've always loved the motto of Redbirds for life. And that's not just a motto. It's something that all Redbirds live. So we all still keep in touch with each other. We all still consider each other family. It's not a... I said, when I went to school, a lot of people asked me, how come you didn't join a frat or anything like that? And I always tell them, I basically did. Being a I basketball did. player, you're in a frat. And it's not just the basketball team. It's all the sports. So we were friends with the football players, tennis players, softball, baseball. It's everybody's a family. It's said it's a frat in its own form. And it's it just, is. it's something that has been a huge part of my life. And I will definitely always, always be a red bird. That's something I will stand behind for the rest of my life. And it's been a blessing. And I said to have the red bird family behind me is something I look forward to sharing with the rest of my family. I said, getting my fiance down there and she's going to have to learn that she's a red bird now too. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a family thing. Yeah, definitely love, love my time at Redbird Arena. Getting back down there anytime I can is great. I don't like the fact that they took all that money they made off me and improved the campus for after I was gone, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, definitely, it's definitely enjoyable. I love going back and seeing what they've done and getting to spend that time at the arena and see the players and all that stuff. So, Agreed, right? It, it is a brotherhood and love having the alumni games and getting everybody back and getting the, 